Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, the human smokestack, Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now, the star of the show, Bobby Blaze. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. I am Bobby the Anti-Mind Blaze, and I'm glad to be back on the air with you. You know, it has been 90 hours since we last recorded our last show, but we're getting on some kind of a schedule again, and we're going to be releasing on a pretty regular basis. We're trying to figure a few things out, but man, it sure was good to uh, listen to uh, record and listen to episode 24 last week of uh, my 10 favorite matches. But, man, um, I'm just glad to be back on the air with you because uh, this is going to be episode 25, and uh, this is an important episode. Uh, this one is be called The Most Influential Women of Pro Wrestling. And so, uh, fans, friends, Jeremy, let's get ready to get started with episode 25, The Most Influential Women of Professional Wrestling this week, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. I got a little nervous because we got that hitch in our get-along a couple weeks back, and we didn't know when we were going to record this, that, and the other, and then I read an article that said most podcasts that stop, stop around episode 20, and I said, son of a bitch, that's us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we better get something recorded right away. So we are here. This is episode 25, which is an awesome milestone for us, a quarter of the way to 100. Uh, I think we deserve a little pat on the back there. Um, so pat yourself on the back, Bobby. I sure will. I'll do my best Barry Horace uh, impersonation. Damn right. <laughs> All right. So uh, we get any feedback or anything you want to mention before we jump into our shout-outs and our list here? Not drawing a blank, trying not to bullshit your makeup or anything. I had a couple private messages that basically said, you know, they enjoyed the list, and they was going to definitely look up some of the matches. Uh, some of them were on YouTube and some of them weren't, but uh, they was intrigued by them. Someone did find a Smoky Mountain Wrestling tape that had the uh, match I mentioned with uh, uh, Bob Borton Jr. and Bob Armstrong on it. Oh, awesome. So uh, I, I know that's out there. And um, so, yeah, that's that's really about it as far as uh, feedback. You know, we're, we're trying to pick up steam again, I think. Uh, I think people hopefully will, uh, like I said, we got past episode 20. We're at episode 25. Hopefully people stay out there listening to us. Uh, in uh, Podcastville, if you will. Yeah, um, I, I know for a fact, because I went and looked at the statistics, I can tell you most of our listeners are still there. <laughs> so good. That's a good, good sign. Before we get started, I do want to mention something for people down there in the southeastern part of the United States. The state of Florida has banned greyhound racing and has thousands of greyhounds that need homes. So, if you've ever considered uh, you know, fostering a greyhound, a retired racer, and now is a good time to do it. There are thousands of dogs there who will be put to sleep if somebody does not start adopting them. I just wanted to let everybody know. Get out there and adopt them, people. Man, you know, I lived in Florida, and I know there were a shitload of greyhound tracks down there, and I was unaware of this news, so thanks for sharing it, not with just the audience, but with me as well. But we'll put that out there on our pages. You can hit Jeremy up at uh, the Geekish Cast. You can hit me up at BobbyBlaze744, and then our Twitter account, there's a joint account that Jeremy's doing so awesome with, is bell to bell blaze and uh, maybe we'll put some stuff on there concerning that, Jeremy, so we can get that word, that, get that message out there to those dogs, those uh, special dogs, those greyhounds, man, those racers, yep. those hard hitters, man, out there chasing Sparky around the track. They need some homes. Let's help them get some homes, man, yeah, you know? I don't have room for thousands of them, and that's what it's going to come down to is I'll have to adopt them all if people don't step up. 
Well, thanks for sharing it with us, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I did. I did get a little feedback, but I got some from the uh, the Halloween episode asking me why I didn't like uh, Day of the Dead. <clears throat> it's because it's a boring movie. Sorry, everybody. Just, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it just doesn't grab me. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I have got some private messages. I don't need to mention any names because I told them I wouldn't. But I've got about three people that I talk to privately that I'm really glad to hear from because. They tell me this show really helps them get through their day or a time they're going through. They really enjoy just listening to us because we're just two really down-to-earth people, they say. I think that one guy one time said country. That was a public statement. He said, you, you boys are country or something, you know, But and that's fine. But I've got about three people that will send me a little message now and again saying, man, thanks for putting out the podcast. You just don't know how much it helps me. And being a podcast fan myself, you know, and I listen to other podcasts, obviously, I know it does help you get by sometimes. So for, for a few people that I'm not giving any personal shout-outs to, you probably know who you are, and it's always good to hear from you. And always, it always makes my heart smile on the inside, man, uh, when someone, something, someone says something so kind to you that, you know, you, you've kind of made their day or helped their hour pass by, you know, so... Yeah, that's, that's absolutely. That, that is nice so. to hear from people. Well, with that said, Bobby, you want to do any shout-outs this week? The shout-out goes to FTC uh, Pro Wrestling as Failure to Conform. Failure to Conform. They are ran out of Ironton, Ohio. They run over here in the tri-state area of Ashland, Kentucky, Ironton, Ohio, and Huntington, West Virginia. They do go to shows, you know, all over this area. They did a really nice some of the boys there did a real random act of kindness, if you will, for myself. So I just want to make sure that those guys know. I know a couple of them listen to the show. I don't want to leave anyone out, but I do know that uh, Team Inc., who's a very over-tag team, I know Misery and Alex, and also we mentioned Casey King before. And if I'm leaving any guys off of there or girls off the list, I don't mean to. I'm just going by memory here. But they did a little random act of kindness for me. And uh, I know a few of them are fans of the show. And I know they treat each other like family over there. And uh, failure to conform professional wrestling. I think um, they're a really good group of guys and girls. I know they work hard. I know they put on good shows. And uh, it's good to see. Uh, when good independent shows take place, you know, it's always it's good. I want to give a shout out to my buddy Shane Storm up in West Virginia. Uh, he texts me once or twice a week and always checks on me. And um, uh, I've been telling Shane for a while, I've been meaning to give him a shout out just because uh, he, he wouldn't want one. Um, he's not that kind of guy. He's just a, he's a good guy. But, um, but I'm going to give him one anyway because uh, he's worked for uh, Failure to Communicate. Uh, communicate. I always call it that. I even even announced it, and I said failure to communicate. Failure to confer. God damn, Bobby. Damn. Listen, <laughs> FTC. What's funny is someone was just telling me the other day they heard they heard me announcing in April, and I just I buried I buried someone doing a fucking joint the gimmick clown gimmick. <laughs> over the fucking PA, and I buried these two girls that's caught them local fucking from the gentleman's club down the street as I announced them from. I mean, you know me, I'm just going to say whatever. But anyway, failure to, what is it, FTC, failure to fucking uh, conform. But anyway, thank you, gentlemen and ladies, and that whole professional uh 
uh, circuit of people. Uh, I'm glad I was able to help you out doing some stuff involving wrestling because it came full circle and you all was able to help me out concerning something uh, that I was in much need of this, this past week. And I appreciate it very, very much. So, so thank you. And that, that's my shout outs to random act of kindness to pay it forward. And believe me, I will cause I'm that kind of person. And I think everyone should, if someone does something good for you, whether it's buy a cup of coffee to the person in line behind you at the uh, Tim Hortons or McDonald's or wherever, you know what, man, pay it forward. And um, every once in a while, just take the time to do a random act of kindness for someone because you never, never know when um, you talk about making someone's heart warm on the inside. Uh, something so simple sometimes can just warm your heart, melt your heart, make you feel really good. So uh, even though I'm fucking up uh, saying the name, I'll just say FTC and all the guys and girls there. Thank you very much. Yeah, so. I was I was going to make a comment about how you know failure to conform sounds like a bunch of hoodlums. But yeah, I, and they are actually. Yeah, but 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 I don't need to make fun of them because I think you fucked them up enough right there. I did, I did, and uh, but they they know, and uh, yeah. hope, hopefully they get it, and word will spread that I did at least fucking thank them, you know. So I did get that out, but that was my shout out, I guess. Uh, and I guess we better give Adam a a shout out for getting us booked at this week's uh, hotel, and. Um, uh, we're coming to you this week from the Riviera Hotel and Casino, the Riv, as is known out here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, give you a little facts about that real quick, Jeremy, if you don't mind. Sure thing. Uh, we done Ashland, Kentucky last week, and that went pretty cool, I thought. But now we're out here in Las Vegas, man, and of course they got the uh, Cauliflower Ear Club out there in uh, Las Vegas every year. Uh, B. Brian Blair, shout out to you for being the president. Um they do it at a different casino, of course, but the uh, uh, the Riviera is where the uh, glow was shot from nineteen uh, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling from nineteen eighty six through uh, through nineteen eighty nine. But it was opened in April of nineteen fifty five. It closed down in May of twenty fifteen. Liberace cut the opening uh, ribbon, and he became the first uh, resident performer there. There were some really good movies, too many movies to name. Con Air, The Hangover, some of those movies. But a couple of my favorites was uh, uh, Vegas Vacation and one of my all-time favorites from 1995, Casino was recorded there so uh, or filmed there, if you will. So, of course, all those uh, Vegas places make it, it seemed like, on the Strip and, and the Dunes and all that. But uh, we're, we're, we're doing it because uh, Adam got us booked there, got us a special price. Uh, he may have a connection somewhere. I'm not going to say too much about that. You never know. Uh, he didn't get us the penthouse, but he got us a pretty damn good room and a pretty good rate. And we're here where the gorgeous ladies of wrestling got to shoot their TV show from 1986 through 1989. And that's that, man. So there we go. Well, I remember, uh, you know, I was 13 to 16 when that show was around, and I never missed an episode. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of the, yeah, I was kind of the ideal market, you know, the pubescent boy, uh, you know, and then there's chicks out there wearing next to nothing, throwing each other around. It might not have been great wrestling, but it was good TV. Oh yeah. Good TV, good entertainment. Um, yeah. Oh God. What was that word? Uh, give me two seconds here. Hold on one second. I love you too. Be safe. Take care. Bye. So Jim Cornette came by, I take it. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? He put me over the last two weeks on his podcast, and I appreciate that. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm behind on listening to podcasts right now because yeah. uh, my my job change 
has really screwed up my daily routine. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always nice to be mentioned on other people's podcasts, but uh, Jimmy had something real nice to say to me uh, or about me last week, and it's something that totally surprised me but didn't surprise me, but uh, I'm totally cool with it, with what he said about me this week, and uh, um, I really appreciate the kind words. I am a huge fan of the Jim Cornette drive through and also the Jim Cornette experience, and uh, I appreciate the kindness because um, – I can't say enough kind words about Jim Cornette. And, uh, yeah, I was telling him I love him there as he left the room. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there you go. Well, you know, we're doing these most influential women of pro wrestling, man. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and give you my number one straight to the point, okay? I'm just jumping ahead. I'm going to give mine away right away. I'm not even going to do my honorable mentions. Jeremy, i got to do this to you, man. Okay. Suit a shooter. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, that That is it for this episode of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. Yeah. Oh, shit. Blue Shooter, if you're listening, I miss you, baby. I, so. I believe she's with Tiger Jeet Singh right now. I just have to wait in line anyway. What yeah. the hell? Fuck, we're going to get sued for this. We're stealing other people's characters and everything. I guess, man. I don't know. All, All right. right. Well, let's yeah. get into this top ten list if we've hit yeah. anything else. Uh, I think you've got some honorable mentions. I've got some honorable mentions. Then we'll get into our top ten. How's that? Uh, that sounds good. Now, as usual, we usually start a top ten list with about 95 people <laughs> yeah. and then try to whittle it down from there. This this list is no exception. A lot of what we're going to cover, I mean, is good or bad, but you know, who are the most influential women in pro wrestling? So that means that some should have been on a list like this, but didn't make this list. Uh, the first person I want to mention is Trish Stratus, who is one of the, yeah, one of the first real breakout stars of the semi-modern era of wrestling. She was the template for a number of years for what a female wrestler should, quote unquote, should be. She was a fitness model who, who was pretty decent in the range, okay on a mic, real easy on the eyes. Uh, but also she was athletic too. So she she could end up on a list like this any day of the week, and it would be totally uh, justifiable. It just, we had so many we had to get to, she just didn't make this list. Um, and then what I would put out there, and an argument can be made either way, I would say Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. I, I When I was a kid, and you know, Macho Man was hot, and Elizabeth was hot, I knew grown men who watched wrestling just to see her. And you can argue whether or not that's influential, but it is important, and it did put eyeballs on the products that they wouldn't have watched it otherwise. Yes, I agree. And that's two great honorable mentions there. And um, I think Liz probably just really missed our list, actually, for whatever reason. So, uh, But, yeah, she definitely uh, helped change some of you know the face of wrestling. Like you said, put eyes on the product for sure. Yeah. So uh, my two... Um, our mother-daughter team, and it's Cora and Debbie Combs, and they're from Hazard. Cora was from Hazard, Kentucky. Hazard, Kentucky. She was a female wrestler, many, many years. Easy on the eyes when she was younger, and she eventually had a daughter. I'm not sure how old she was. She, she had her daughter. They started teaming together. They, she trained her. They, they wrestled together as a tag team. They went around wrestling against each other without people, you know, back in the days of kayfabe. But I've got to put them over because they're from Kentucky, and um, I know they, they worked a lot of territories. And I didn't get to see Core live uh 
too many times, although I did get to see her live when the old ICW used to come through my town. But uh, Debbie, with the, the daughter, of course, I started to say younger of the two. <laughs> Obviously, if you're the daughter younger of the two, she uh, she was pretty easy on the eyes herself. And she worked for ICW quite a bit. And um, I think Lady Satan uh, was her main opponent a lot when they came through my town. And I got to see Debbie uh, wrestle quite a bit. So that's my two shout-outs uh, just because of the um, Kentucky heritage there. And uh, I found a fascinating this mother daughter and they had such a, a long long career um uh traveling together working with each other and against each other so that's that's my two right there um so um, i'll leave it at that i don't have a whole lot of great great detail about them other than from hazard kentucky and they worked a shitload of uh made a good living at it from my understanding you know back in the day traveling the territories yeah yeah so, so those are those are all people that could have been put on a list very similar to this just didn't make it this time, but you know we could always do more influential women of wrestling. So. <laughs> there we go. That's it, man. <laughs> well, let's start off with number ten. Number ten has been on one of our list, if not a couple, in the past. But uh, I think we have to put her on this list. Uh, she could, and again, some of these numbers, folks, we could be right or wrong. This is just what Jeremy and I came up with as to what our top ten is. And we're going to start off with one of the hottest, smokingest babes of all time, man. we got to put it out there. I'll let Jeremy take over after I announce her name because I think he went off last time uh, in a great way, and I hope he does again, is Missy Hyatt, man. Uh, put her out there. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's Missy Hyatt. She's on all of my lists. I mean, The original bombshell heel manager, valet, announcer, easy on the eyes. Oh man, she she's our she's our answer to the sheik. She's gonna make all the fucking list. You know what I'm saying? For whatever yeah. reason, but we have our Abby sheik. Them to it seem we could put them on every. We could have any kind of a top ten uh, list, and at some point, um, uh, you know. Missy Hyatt's going to be on that list, guys. Yep. <laughs> so get used to it. <laughs> we'll just have, like, one day we'll just, like, every week we'll just be, uh, okay, our four most important people in wrestling, <laughs> Tully Blanchard, Abby, The Sheik, and Missy Hyatt. Thank you, everybody. There you go. That's great. Yep, you're <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, let's, yeah, let's, I mean, let's, let's try to address this one real quick, but we've talked about her before, so I don't want to beat it up too long, but Missy was a reason that I kept watching wrestling when it really sucked. Uh, she was a good manager who could shit talk and get a crowd to go nuts. But when they tried to switch her into an interview position, she handled that pretty well as well. Yeah. So she was versatile. She was somebody who would get eyeballs on the screen when they otherwise wouldn't be there. Um, also, she was kind of, I don't think you would have had Sunny without Missy. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I agree. Th that kind of bitchy blonde thing, I think, really started with her. Uh, if it didn't, I'm wrong. I'm I'm not going to believe you if you say that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think starting off my list with someone as hot as Missy Hyatt, man, you can't go wrong. Yeah. So, uh, and like you always said, you said it before, not to be real, real redundant, but you know, the, the transaction she made, you know, from from manager to uh, to announcing, you know, that was she she performed, I think, above and beyond what she was originally, uh, what they had originally maybe planned for her as one of those people that just really done more than I think that they ever, the way they booked her was one way and then she just took off another, you know? Yeah. And, um, in a good way. So 
Also, That's your number 10 person. Also, I think her lawsuit might have helped change the face of wrestling, at least temporarily. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but perhaps we've said too much. Okay. So, uh, with that said, Jeremy, let's go into... Uh, I've got a little short story about this next one, but I'm going to let you announce who number nine is. How's that? Oh, sounds good. Number nine is Medusa Michelli or slash Alundra Blaze. Uh, I'm going to go with Medusa, though. Yeah, I, I, yeah, go with Medusa. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard her story about how she got into wrestling. That would be a crazy phone call to get where you would be pinching yourself going, wait, this is who? Because <laughs> it was Wahoo. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. She got a call from Wahoo McDaniel saying, hey, how'd you like to come wrestle for us? So, so she came along during a time when I wouldn't call women's wrestling very athletic. And she put a different stamp on, at least here in the States. Japanese wrestling has always been more athletic than American. Yeah. Uh, but she toured all over Asia. She, I guess she did quite a bit of her learning in Japan. You know, and for a rough chick, she was pretty fucking hot, too. So, I mean, she definitely brought a new element and style to women's wrestling. Well, that that kind of goes right along with what I was going to say. First of all, I thought she was pretty good looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought that with here in the United States... I really become a fan of hers when she went to Japan because I used to get to uh, wrestling magazines and also the VHSs from over Japan at the time when she was going over quite a bit uh, when I was training down at Malenko's. And so my little tie-in and short story is there was a, uh, and I just had a, a private message about this the other day. Uh, there was a girl that used to train at Malenko's. She went by Debbie Drake. And uh, she was in line. She went to Japan on several tours. She was going to, um, Medusa was going to retire, I guess, in Japan. Uh, Debbie, who became Debbie Malenko, had a, a short-lived career. She had a, an injury, and she also had a serious, uh, I think she was a female firefighter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so she had a career at that and um, chose that and chose a, quote, normal life over, you know, becoming a, a huge wrestling star. She had kind of... Um, I guess Medusa had kind of influenced her once uh, she came over to Japan, and Debbie brought that back. And so while she was training on with the Malenko, she was getting quite a uh, bit of help from uh, Medusa. And I always thought that was kind of a cool tie-in for me to to think that um, you know it just it was kind of like going to be a passing of the torch from everything that, that took place during that time. It didn't ever happen. You know, now she's what a, a monster truck driver yep. and. Uh, uh, to me, she's always just been a, a very attractive lady, but but probably more importantly than just her attractiveness, just her athletic ability in the ring. I mean, she had a huge bridge, you know, just the way those Japanese girls and the guys, too, they all can fucking bridge great. And Medusa could do that German suplex, and she had just that beautiful bridge, man, with just, just pick you up. And, you know, it's just, um, I just was a fan of hers athletically as a, um, uh, female performer, but but when I, when I watched her wrestle, I'd be stupid to say I didn't see a female because I did. I hate to use the word performer, but I would see a a wrestler. You know, she looked to me like she was legitimately uh, could fuck you up and could wrestle, and she just had um, a smoothness about her and a toughness about her that I really liked. And she could have been higher up on the list or not on the list at all, but I but I think she deservingly. Uh, oh yeah, be on the list. You well, know, and let uh, me let me throw out something just just to like confirm a reason why she should be here. I would say the opening shot of the Monday Night War was her showing up on Nitro and throwing away the WWF Women's Title. 
Yeah. Good yeah. move or bad move, doesn't matter. It happened, and it was the opening shot of the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, wow. Well, that's that's one of those things, too. I wasn't even sure um, when that took place. I knew she had done that. I knew she showed up and, and done that. But that's, uh, for, for better or worse, when someone does that to a belt, I don't know. But, hell, that's why it's a war, I guess. You know, or it was mm-hmm. a war. And, um, you know, for someone to keep on striving in their career, uh, hell, I know we're talking about women, but that takes a lot of balls to do something like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, that's why I was getting at It's not like I couldn't say I didn't see a woman when I saw her wrestle, because I obviously did see a female. But, man, she could just go like one of the guys, if you will. Uh, I was just drawn to her not only from a beauty or, you know, that aspect. I was drawn to her for her athletic athleticism and her wrestling ability so uh, yeah I, I wasn't trying to not put her on a list i was just saying whether she deserves to be number nine higher lower whatever medusa uh gets a vote on our top 10 on this list for sure damn straight and and yeah. well i think well deserved so yes you want yeah. to do number eight or you want me yes to- i'll introduce number eight i'll let you say whatever the hell you want to say but number eight is was was the eighth wonder of the world, if I'm not mistaken, China? Was that her nickname? The eighth wonder well, of the world? Wasn't wasn't not. she the ninth wonder of the world? Because An- because Andre, Andre was the eighth. Joni, <laughs> now I'll fuck up her last name. <laughs> Lauer, is that correct? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yes, I'm pretty okay. sure that's it. So yeah, we got China, and um, you know she come out there and. Hell, I guess at the time, people was accusing her of being a man that had transitioned to a woman or something. I don't know, because people, I don't think people believed that a female uh, wrestler could look like that. Whether you are into big, strong women like it or not, man, China, she just, there was something about her, man. I liked the way she looked. I didn't care if she was big and strong like that, had muscle like that, and Man, I just, she she definitely opened my eyes to what she could do. Um, again, I think she might have been rough around the edges in the ring. I think when I say that, I mean it in a tough way that, you know what, uh, if you kick to hit her, um, she's going to kick or hit you back, you know. And I'm sorry I said eighth. I know it's supposed to be a ninth wonder of the world because I don't want to disrespect Andre. But, yeah, China, man, um, she changed uh, the way a lot of uh, people started looking at female wrestlers, you know, or at wrestling at a whole, probably back during that time, because that was during the war, the Monday Night Wars as well, if I'm yep. not mistaken. Is that correct? Isn't she the only woman to ever hold a major men's title? Yes, she was what, the Intercontinental Champion? Yeah. Is that not and her, okay, yeah. her and Jericho feuded. You know, it's, she, look, because of the way the end of her life went, I think she is probably look down on more than she should be right now lots of people die because of drugs uh it shouldn't recolor the entirety of your life china was a big strong badass woman who could hold her own against against men and because the the style of women's wrestling had gone to models over talent she had to work against men because otherwise she would have just had sable to work against yeah Look, and, you know, the fact of the matter is China, you know, I, I think there was some cosmetic work done on her, uh, but regardless of which, she ended up becoming kind of a sex bomb herself towards the end of yes. her run. Yes, she did. Yeah, where they, they let her feminize her look a little bit, because when they first brought her in, they brought her in to look like a just mean, mean woman. Right. Big muscles. And then by the time they were done with her, they were, not they were done with her, by the time her full 
presence became how it would be known. She was definitely feminized, wore sexy yeah. clothes. But I, I know people that named like you know their beloved pets after her. After this, she had a <laughs> she had a massive impact on pro wrestling. Imagine yeah, I her. agree. I yeah. agree. And you know, something you said earlier about the way, uh, sadly, her life was was ended. The thing is, is is we talk off the air sometimes. You and I, I'm one of these people, and I think you are too. You know, it's kind of uh, I'll use the Bible sometimes in a secular way, and it's kind of like judge not that you not be judged. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't think that just because uh, I. Just, I don't know, for whatever reason, people want to look down on other people. and I don't know if it makes you feel better looking down on someone else, looking down your nose at someone else or whatever. But, um, you know, sadly, she's passed away, and that's a human being. And um, regardless as to how she passed away, uh, that's not full credit uh, given to her life, man, because she, she not only influenced um, – you know, professional wrestling uh, as a female performer, uh, man, from my understanding, she overcome a lot of things in her personal life from the time she was a young girl all the way through her adulthood. You know, she was always over overcoming something, always overachieving something. And uh, she does something successful for her life. And that's more than a lot of people could say. They at least tried to do something. She not only tried it, she done it. And, um, you know, I don't place any judgment on any, you know, I don't want to judge her by any means. But uh, I think it's unfair that uh, I think sometimes she kind of gets a bad rap, uh, you know, from a certain company. I think sometimes they just don't. I don't know. They just don't put people over like they should sometimes or say nice things. Some of the sheets don't say nice things about people. And, and that's just not fair, man. You shouldn't judge other people that way because, like you said, she did, you know, she did make an impact and have an impact on professional wrestling. And, yes, she did become a little bit more feminized, uh, you know, and I don't care. She had some cosmetic work or whatever on her chin or her cheeks or, or enhancements or whatever. You know what? She was in professional wrestling. Also, at that, what I was going to say is during, I'm trying to word this the right way so I don't get heat with everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, She was at a point where she became an entertainer as well. You know, she was on some different shows. uh, Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, she'd done the uh, uh, Playboy. She'd done uh, the the one, I can't think of it, drawing a blank on the name of the house, the rehab house or something. Whatever it was, I don't know. Uh, some of that stuff, and then uh, of course she, but she became an entertainer. She she took her outside her character outside the ring as well, and good on her. Fuck, she deserves to be on this list, man. Yeah, well, just she had an impact. I mean, she was like yeah. gravity because once when she was on the scene, you could not escape it. The, she changed the way women were viewed in wrestling, and I, I would say athletics in general. Because she yeah. wasn't, she wasn't just big, but she could actually, like you said, I, I do believe she was a little rough around the edges in the ring, but she could wrestle, yeah, and yeah. look and look good doing it. And I don't know that she was somebody that could carry a broomstick through a match, but she sure as shit could put on a good match. And yeah. I, I think that gets overlooked now. Some, I think she's turned into a bit of a joke in some in some people's estimations. I think she gets yeah. forgotten where she shouldn't, and I think it's a goddamn shame. Yeah, and and I, I want to say this. What you just now said is what I was trying to say. You worded it a hell of a lot better than I did, so thank you very much. You're, you are 100% spot on. So, yeah, so number eight was uh, China. And would you like to introduce number seven or me? I, I'll go ahead and do this one. Number okay. seven is Sensational Sherry Martell. 
Oh, I had scary Sherry Martell. Oh. <laughs> no, sensational Sherry Martell comes in at number seven. So. You know, people can talk about her however they want. You you worked around the circle she worked in. I have never heard anybody say too much bad about Sherry Martell. And she was everywhere that mattered in wrestling's history at the time that it mattered. Yeah. You know, she was she, um, she was Shawn Michaels' manager when he turned heel. She you know, just she was always somewhere nearby when everything happened. When when Liz and Macho Man broke up, she was Macho Man's manager. Yeah. She was always there as shit broke down. When when Booker T dropped the end bomb on live TV, right. she was standing right <laughs> she behind <was> there. him. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, that's the thing. She she had an impact on wrestling. What I think about Sherry is it seemed like when you when you're saying that, she always had a job at some capacity in professional wrestling. She stayed busy. You know, she was like an AWA woman's champion, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Um, you know, I think she's the tag team champions. And then, of course, she went on to, I don't know, ballet and manage kind of both. It took on kind of both roles, if you will. Yep. Uh, I know when she'd come to Smoky Mountain Wrestling, she was nothing but good as gold to me. Uh, my nickname was uh, Baby Blazer. That's what she called me every fucking day. Every time I saw her, hey, Baby Blazer, come here. Always had a hug for me. Always had a smile for me. Uh, she worked with Sonny, you know, tried to. Jimmy brought her in to help, uh, you know, Sonny see how how to work better, learn to work better, I guess, if you will, how to interact more, how to be more of a bitch, if you will, or whatever. But, um uh, I never forget, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite stories is this, uh, I had to rent a car. We were on the road with, we she was there for like two, maybe three weeks. Uh, and, and two of the weeks I know, you know, rode around with her and, uh, one of her friends, uh, Kathy, shout out to Kathy in New, uh, New Jersey, I think might be a Philly girl, but I think she's New Jersey. Could get them wrong. Either way, I'll probably get heat from both. I don't give a fuck. But anyway, uh, hey, Kathy, um, and hey, TR, while you're at it, because I know you know Kathy. But anyway, uh, riding down the street, you know, in a rental car, and seeing her at the Waffle House and having breakfast and just things like that. But um, me and Tracy Smothers, or Tracy Smothers and myself, uh, are riding down in the rental car, and then Kathy and then Sherry Martell sitting in the seat right behind me. I'm doing like 75 fucking miles an hour down on the fucking I-75 in the hills of Tennessee. And, uh, you know, fucking cars are passing me, you know, little old ladies with blue hair are fucking <laughs> passing me. And she keeps screaming like, you know, uh, speed up, Bobby, speed up, go faster. Hell, we just went from like Knoxville over to Johnson, Tennessee, Johnson City, Tennessee or something like that. And, uh, I don't know, we was on, like I said, 75 or 40 or whatever, but I'm doing the fucking speed limit and then some, and I'm still getting passed and, and then, uh, she starts saying, uh, she gets it to where I'm the worst fucking driver in the territory, harassing me and this and that. And it gets quiet in the car, and we're just out in the middle of fucking nowhere. She leans over my fucking shoulder, starts laying on the fucking horn, and she says, cows, cows. And I'm like, what the fuck? You're going to wreck me. And I'm like, get the fuck back in your seat, you know, and this and that. And Tracy's laughing, Kathleen. And i like, what the fuck? And she goes, Cows, didn't you see those cows over there in the fucking field in the middle of nowhere? There's a bunch of cows. She goes, cows need loving too, you know. <laughs> so, it's just one of my favorite stories, you know. So my my all the stuff she done, my personal is, you know, she named me Baby Blazer and uh, didn't let up on that name, and she fucking uh, had to honk at them fucking cows, 
And um, every once in a while, I'll drive down a street and uh, not down a street. Let me say, let me reword that. I don't live that far back in a hill. If I'm heading toward Huntington or Charleston, West Virginia or Columbus, Ohio or Lexington, Kentucky, where I'm out on a highway and I see some cows in a field, I'll fucking occasionally honk my horn and think of Sherry in a good way going, cows need loving too. So there's my Sherry Martell story. And I do think she was more sensational than she was scary. Um, I thought she was a great Sherry. You know? Oh, yeah. But, yeah, she was everywhere. I mean, she literally, she was like everywhere in pro wrestling when it mattered, even to the point where I believe you said that Chainsaw Charlie was wearing her pantyhose on his head. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that's who he said, give it to me. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm almost positive on that story. I'm pretty sure it's in Terry Funk's book. Uh, that's where he got him from. So anyway, that finishes up, uh, sensational Sherry Martell uh, coming in at number seven and it's going to release number six. And I'm hoping that you have a little bit to add about number six because I don't have a whole lot to say about number six other than uh, it is Mae Young. And with the longevity of her career, she has to be on this list. If for nothing else, taking a fucking powerbomb through the tables by what the Dudley boys at fucking 90 years old or whatever. Yeah, well, here's, uh, the, here's that, the thing. Her and Mark Henry, I can't stop thinking about those couple of things because I was still watching at the time. But you can tell me whatever you want about my young. That's the only thing I really have on her. And she has to be on this list somewhere, so she comes in at number six. Oh, yeah. Well, so <laughs> Mae Young was born during the Depression. She was the youngest of eight children. Uh, she was from Sand Springs, Oklahoma, so she's probably a second cousin of mine, quite honestly. There but when, when she was in high school, she, she was on the softball team, she was on the wrestling team, and she was doing some other stuff, and she saw that there was going to be pro wrestling women's uh, world champion in town. So she went to Tulsa to challenge the world champion, Mildred Burke. When really? She, when she was told that you can't just show up out of nowhere and fight the world champion, we'll let you wrestle Gladys Gillum. And she beat Gladys Gillum in seconds in a shoot fight. Immediately was offered a job by the promoter. Man. So right there is the reason enough that Mae Young goes on a list of influential women in pro wrestling. Now, let's fast forward to 80 fucking years to when she's still <laughs> taking bumps with the best of them. Yeah. And uh, you cannot leave Mae Young off of a list of influential women in pro wrestling. Yeah, I agree. And I didn't know that story, but that is incredible. That is incredible. Yep. And uh, oh, that's awesome. awesome. Her and see, and, you get educated on this show, folks. Oh yeah. Well, it's, my, my buddy who runs the uh, the Joe on Joe podcast, he said he listens to us because he he was kind of a fan of wrestling back in the day, but we cover shit that was left out of the mainstream or has been lost to history a little bit. He yeah. goes, that's the stuff I like when you cover, and that's that. But Mae Young and, was also one of the first wrestlers to tour in post-war Japan. Oh, is that right? Yes. Wow. Fuck. That's wild, man. See, it, it, that's why I want to say I'm, I'm glad you're sharing this because I learned from this show when I'm doing some of my homework, and I didn't do a whole lot of homework on my young because I knew that you would, to be honest with you. Um, I knew I would do a little bit more on the Riviera because that was my job this week, you know. So, uh, And I know where we're at on our time there because I've got the same time. Uh even though my gimmick didn't go off, I know about where we're at. But anyway, what I was going to say is, uh, on, on 
your friend Joe from Matt's show. Mm-hmm. The thing I think that pisses me off more than anything has nothing to do with Joe, by the way. I'm just saying, when he listens, a guy like that or one of the fans that listen to our show, they learn something, myself included. What pisses me off when you go on the internet and you, it's wide open, it's the information highway, and the first 10 fucking things, if not 20, that you look up, all reflect back to the fucking WWE. Yeah. It's like they want to rewrite history and they want to rewrite this. And you're like, you're looking at the 50 greatest wrestlers of all time and they've got like 47 of them. And you're like, no, that's not, you know. Um, and like, you know, sharing sharing the stories about uh, Sherry or sharing the Mae Young story about how she broke in and, and you know, what a high school athlete she was and also wrestling and, and, and post-World uh, uh, War II in Japan. You know, that's the kind of stuff that needs to be preserved for our sport and for uh, professional wrestling uh, fans and uh, aficionados or whatever, man. Uh, we love learning. Uh, we love professional wrestling. And we hope you enjoy that from our show as well, Joe, and everyone else is out there listening. And we get feedback. Um, and in the next one, I'm definitely going to use some feedback on uh, from one of our listeners. So, um, you know. This is this is a great podcast for them. I'm not just. I'm gonna go back to the beginning when you said, you know, hey, we're not losing our fans. So give ourselves a pat on the back. I'm gonna give ourselves a fucking pat on the back again. Uh, shout out there to Barry Horowitz once more, and that is because um, you know what we do educate some people, man, and we educate ourselves and we learn from the show too. And uh, I think our fans really really like that. They learn about different venues. They learn about the, the you know top guys, the bottom guys, and today they're learning about the most influential women in professional wrestling history. And coming in at number six was Mae Young, and I learned about three things I didn't even know about her, and that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. so she definitely goes on the list. And, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like you go to research something, and WWE has co-opted pro wrestling to the point where they are synonymous with each other, yet... And and look, I don't. I'm not going to knock them for this. They are they were the last man standing for a long time. Of course, yeah. they caused some of that, but everything is seen through the lenses of WWE. They have co-opted wrestling. They are synonymous. Yet I get angry when people think when they say wrestling, but think WWE because that's not right. the whole thing. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll cover more of that in a few moments here, though. Yeah, and we will, and that's one thing, too. I know we don't try to shit on other people, and we don't shit on other people's podcasts. We don't try to shit on WWE every week or anything. Sometimes it may come across that way, but that's not what we're doing. We're just we're stating the facts, and it's just when you get those references, man, there's other stuff out there that people, uh, like you said, when you're thinking wrestling and, and thinking WWE when you should be thinking wrestling, if you will. Yeah. So, anyway... Um, why don't you tell them where you can get my books that help sponsor this show, and I'll do the uh, 10 through uh, 6, and then you can do that and start with number 5, okay? So number 10, Missy Hyatt. Number 9, Medusa. Number 8, China. Number 7, Sherry Martell. And number 6, Mae Young. And we'll come back with our top 5 as soon as Jeremy gives you this brief, brief uh, or as long as he fucking wants. I don't care. Plug how to support our show. Yeah, I edit the show. It'll be as long as I want. If I want it there just to be me go. talking for an hour, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, everybody out there, please go out and buy yourself a copy of Bobby's Books, which you can get the first one. Pay me, pay me, have boots, will travel. That's the part I always leave out. 
you can get <laughs> you can get that by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. And I kicked out on two, The Education of a Wrestler. You can pick up by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. That will take you directly to their Amazon page, and you can buy them there. There are paper copies, digital copies. Uh, you can get them pretty much in any format you want easily right there. Yes. So I, go out and buy one. Buy one for yourself. Buy one for someone for Christmas. Uh, don't buy one for your nine-year-old kid. Uh, buy one for, you know, um, 18 or older if you want, um, unless you let your kids, uh, you know, run around the house cussing, use the motherfucker every other breath or so. But uh, <laughs> anyway, buy one of the books. And also, don't forget, we have a GoFundMe out there. And it's bell to bell, uh, GoFundMe for the, uh, podcast, uh, hosting fees. And I'm just gonna give that a plug real quick because we're at $200 and it's only $150 shy of our goal of $350. And I set that goal so we could get through about 18 months of, uh, podcast. And right now we, um, you know, we're, we're slowly getting there, but, uh, $5, $10, that helps a whole lot. We appreciate it very much. If you give a gift of $20 or more, I'll make sure you get a signed copy of Pin Me, Pay Me, or I kicked out on two. Um, or I'll send you a Blaze t-shirt if I have your size. And, uh, also I just want to say something real quickly. I talked to one of our, uh, fans here recently, um, sent them a book. Uh, they said they wanted to get a copy of, of my second book. They didn't give one. I'm not going to mention names. I got the address. I sent it to them. And this person was so kind, uh, cause I didn't ask for a dime. I didn't, didn't ask for a dime. It's just someone that inspires me. I met him in person one time and, uh, someone just, you know, just influenced your life sometimes. You say, Hey, that's a nice person, whatever. And in return, I got this nice letter that they made a donation to the, uh, Wounded Warrior Project. And I thought, how fucking cool is that, man? Um, I'd rather that money went to the Wounded Warrior Project than it went to my pocket, you know, because I'm going to go make a couple dollars off the book anyway. But uh, he, he gave a more than kind donation, um, and that's between him and myself. And I'm not putting myself over. I'm putting him over. But uh, if you'll go to the GoFundMe, um, you know, you'll hear it again at the end of the show, what the link is for that. Donate 5 or $10. You donate 20 I'll make sure you get a book, and I'll sign it for you. But uh, that's what helps this show get along, man. So we can, uh, we are, what, uh, a quarter of the way to 100 episodes, and uh, we're celebrating that. We're patting ourselves on the back a lot uh, today. So uh, get out there, buy a damn book, and uh, uh, or donate some money to the GoFundMe. Um, or... Any other project with this time of the year coming up, man, there's a lot of people out there that need help. And, um, you know, whether it's a little red kettle somewhere, put a dime or a quarter in it. Or uh, if you see someone on the street that needs something, buy them a fucking cup of coffee or something. Just do something. Be kind to one another. Uh, love each other like we say we always do. And we're trying to shit on each other this and that while I'm on it. But, but fuck, buy a book. Go through the link so Jeremy gets a little piece of the pie. I get a little piece of the pie, and you all get the podcast, and we all walk away hopefully a little bit happier for a smile on our face or at least in our heart. You're damn right. Yeah, you know, I try to do that. <laughs> I try to do that more this time of year when I see people outside the McDonald's, you know, looking for whatever. I try to, you know, give them five bucks or buy them a bag of food or whatever, you know, whatever they're looking for. Yeah. I did have a, a story the other day where I was walking into a liquor store and a guy was like, hey, man, trying to get some beer money. I said, what do you drink? And he goes, uh, Bud, Bud Light or Coors Light. So I bought him a three-pack of Tall Boys, walked out, gave it to him. I said, but don't fucking drink that here. 
And if, if your cops bust you, you didn't know me. <laughs> well, there you go. But see, wouldn't you rather give it to someone that says, what do you need money for? Beer. <laughs> I've done that. I had a guy, this has been years ago. He said, uh, hey, man, he, he like, it was a weird odd number. Like, hey, you got a dollar fifty-eight. I was going to go into a BW3, and I was like, $1.58? And he goes, yeah. I go, why do you need a $1.58? He goes, he pointed to a, uh, 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 not a marathon, fuck, uh, Super America or Speedway, they changed the fucking name. He goes, I can get a tall boy over there for $1.58 tax and all, <laughs> and, I, and I want one. And I said, well, fuck, as soon as I get out of here, I'll get some change. And I went in, uh, bought some wings or whatever that, to go, and I come out handed a guy a couple of dollars, and he's like, man, do I get to keep all of it? And I was like, well, you got like fucking 42 cent left. Yeah, keep it. I don't give a fuck. Go buy your fucking $1.58 beer, man. But at least he was honest about it, you know. He can't oh, yeah. say he was down on his luck or this and that and give me some soft sport. But fuck, he knew exactly what he wanted. And he knew it cost $1.58. And he was specific. I was like, by God, if you're that specific, here you go. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, All right, let's, yeah, let's get yeah. into number five here. Number five, yeah. And this is All actually, right. number five is the, Actually, as far as I remember, the first woman wrestler whose name I knew was the Fabulous Moolah. Yeah. You know what? I think you're probably right. I I would have to say I agree with you. That's probably the first name I knew as a female wrestler, too, was the Fabulous Moolah. And she comes in at number five. She could have been higher. She could have been lower, but we put her right there in the middle. So, anyway, um, I'm going to steal some notes if you don't care. Uh, Tex sent me a little bit of something, so I'm going to read uh, whether she's seen as the Wicked Witch of Wrestling or a maternal defender of female fighting arts. For nearly 35 years, she kept a rest hold on women in wrestling. She dominated not only the titles, but how and where they were booked. Uh, she died still holding the world title she won 50 years before. From Buddy Rogers Valet to Woman's Champ, to rock and wrestling connection to the Attitude Era, Moolah was the constant constant connection. And so, Tex, I quoted you there. That was all coming from Tex's quote. I think I sent it to you, Jeremy, as well. So I stole all that from Tex, or I borrowed it, if you will. But uh, I don't know what more. He, he put it all in there. But whatever you want to say, tell us about the Fabulous Moolah. Well, so the Fabulous Moolah, we're, we're going to have to kind of talk of two schools here. Um, she kind of held a monopoly on women's wrestling for a very long period of time where if you needed a woman's wrestler, you went through Moolah or you got nothing. Yeah. Um, now that of course goes hand in hand with her being accused of strong arm tactics, bullying also of being a, uh, sexually exploiting and financially exploiting her, her quote unquote students at her school. Um, her, her legacy is going to have a big, dark, nasty thumbprint of history on it, but it doesn't change the fact that she absolutely controlled women's wrestling for nearly half a century. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking most influential here, not most loved people. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It's a good way and, of putting and it. And her her fingerprints are on women's wrestling forever. She is the oldest person to to win a women's wrestling title at the age of seventy six. She is also what she was the forty eight year WWE women's champion or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. And and over a twenty eight year span was the dominant NWA women's champion as well. 
Her yeah. wrestling style could be called hair pulling, I think would cover the majority <laughs> of it. But her, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, I have heard, and I, I don't, somebody else would have to back me up or tell me I'm wrong, but I have heard that the McMahon children called her Aunt Mula. Oh, is that right? I have heard that now. I, I don't remember where or when, so I might be stepping all over myself doing it. But as I understand it, they were very close to the McMahon. The Mula was very close to the McMahon family uh-huh. for a long time. But her fingerprints are, are heavy on the world of women's wrestling. Yeah. And well, that her, makes sense, though, with the McMahon family being there so long. Yeah. You know, so. So, I... You know, she does have, I mean, like, look, she's basically been accused of being a pimp and facilitating rape for money. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's, you cannot escape this with her. Matter of fact, didn't they have to change the name of a pay-per-view they were going to name after her? Yes, there was something about that just a few months back that came up. Um, I'm drawing a blank on what it was, but they was going to do a, the, like to do what the Andre the Giant Battle Royal thing. They was going to do the women's, the women's, uh, whatever the pay-per-view or main yeah, event but, was or whatever it was it was going to be the the fabulous moolah uh fucking i don't whatever the, whatever the name was I, I can't remember what it was but it did have her name in it i think they was going to lose some um, uh snickers and some other uh advertisers i think i think some people was going to boycott her or something if they didn't change the name um i could be wrong on the facts i'm not going to sit here and fucking fact check it but yeah they did have to change the name of some kind of event here in the last couple of months uh removing her name because of the um what would you say maybe uh pimping out i guess is the best way yeah to put it, or, i mean yeah it's some controlling of some, all the talent for all those years or yeah, whatever so some of the exploitation charges against her are pretty severe uh, yeah, but she held a death grip on women. Like I said, if you weren't a woman wrestler, you went through moolah, or you yeah. didn't get nothing. There you go. Yeah. So, like or love it, the fabulous moolah comes in at number five. So, now with that said, let's move on to number four, and this is going. This is this one here surprises me because I don't even heard about her, and what you was telling me about May Young earlier about you know. Beating up uh, the the shooter within a couple of seconds and then getting offered a job. Uh, from everything I understand about this next one, which is number five, is Mildred Burke. I heard her that she was as tough as any man in her era, and that uh, she established what the uh, prototype for what a female wrestler would hold for like the next fifty to sixty years. I I heard nothing, but uh, I know there was a whole lot of stuff involving. Um, I guess she was kind of pimped out, if you will, by her husband in some way, some regards, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Billy Wolf, is that, is that right? If I'm, I'm drawing yeah, a blank. Yeah, she, was, she was married to Billy Wolf for a yeah. while. Yeah, and uh, there were some things where, you know, you kind of had to go through her, but uh, she had worked her ass off, I guess, and um, someone went to slam her, a guy, and they realized that she slammed a guy, and she was like, you know, fuck this, I'm here to, you know, I'm not here, I'm not here to play, I'm here to stay, you know, and then she kept the job for like the next, you know, 50, 60 years in professional wrestling, and was just one tough chick, man, or broad, or whatever you want to call her, but Mildred Burke comes in at number uh, four for us on our list. Yeah, so Mildred Burke in the 1930s wrestled more than 200 men and lost to one. Now... That's anecdotal, and we don't know how, if any of those were shoots or not. Still an impressive fucking number. Yeah. Impressive number. She was married to Billy Wolf, but he was um, a bit of a philanderer on the road. So yeah. that, that brought an end to their marriage, and Jack Pfeffer tried to get them to reconcile, but it didn't work, so they split up. Um, 
if you go and you look at pictures of Mildred Burke, and and remembering what that a muscular man back then didn't look like a muscular guy does now, she is all muscle. She's got big arms, square shoulders, and yeah. she'd probably slap the fucking taste out of your mouth. Yeah. Looks very, very solid. That's yeah. the thing. It's just a solid, solid-ass look, man. Yep. She, I guess she was from Kansas originally, and she worked at a Zuni Indian reservation at a at a restaurant, and uh, led to her meeting people and getting into the wrestling career. And so, yeah, she's one of those ones that you know when we talk about forgotten pieces of history, she is one that we all need to take a more serious look at and try to go back and remember what she contributed because she is a name that's going to be lost to history if people don't start paying attention to that. Yeah, I agree, because I went back and read that, and I read an article. It was basically, she was a foremost pioneer in the art of women wrestling. And um, and it wasn't uh, put out by WWE, <laughs> believe it or not. It was put out by someone that was associated with WWE. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, yeah, I, I was glad I read what I did read. It was a short piece, but I did enjoy it. And it's like you said, some of these people, we need to remember them just to keep the history uh in the truth of the matter of it, you know, in the light and, and let people know that before the Chinas, there was a, a Mildred Burke out there that had big shoulders and big arms and could slam men and beat men. And uh, so, yeah, keep that in mind, folks. That's why she's on the list, and she comes in at number four. Yep, and do you want to announce number three for us, sir? Number three, yes. And these next three could have probably come in any order um we had discussed this order and this one here is a tough one to come in at number three because she she may have she may have actually moved up uh in the way we kind of have presented the uh, most influential women in, in professional wrestling and number three is stephanie mcmahon and you know she has been around for over 20 years i mean her whole life of course is been involved in professional wrestling but stephanie's been involved uh in the business you know in in 20 years what a creative uh you know but the thing i see whether she's uh, uh on tv acting as a heel or trying to work a match or whatever she's doing what i see more than that i see beyond that um and that is i don't know that i've ever seen anything that she's turned down that hasn't helped a charity or a charity foundation or doing something for her community or for a national uh, events and those type things. Um, she may betray an evil person on TV at times, I guess. I I liked her a long time ago. I always thought she was a you know, really attractive uh, young lady, you know. And um, But her character comes across one way, but I think outside the ring, um, she's probably got a more beautiful heart than what you see on TV as far as if you think. I'm not looking at her just saying, oh, yeah, she's a good-looking woman. I'm looking at her going, she's got a beautiful heart to her. Um, and I don't know much about her. I mean, I know she's married to Triple H. I know she's Miss McMahon's daughter. I know she's been in the business her whole life and things. It just seems like um, uh, being involved with a uh, creative team, the general public perception of her, uh, She's just an ambassador, man, of uh, professional wrestling. Uh, that that's what I like about her. Probably more than anything, I'm trying to say is is she is a good role model and female ambassador for professional wrestling. Woman or no woman, men or no men, just professional wrestling. Um, 
and the WWE in general. She is just a uh, she's at the top, man. There's just no doubt about it. Even though we have her listed at number three, I think she's going to. Uh, I think her dominance in professional wrestling um, or the other evil words uh, <laughs> are, are going to continue for many, many years to come. I think she's doing a lot of good things for a lot of people, not just in the U.S., but around the world, and she's using professional wrestling or the world of entertainment. I didn't use the other word first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To establish that, you know what, um, we, we stand for more than this. You know, this is just because you see this product on TV. There's a lot of stuff you don't see behind the scenes that I think she's involved in. And I think it's a beautiful thing. So that's, that's just kind of my take on Stephanie McMahon. And I, I, I just see a beautiful person there. I really do. Um, you know, so well, that's my, yeah. you know, so well, I can say, really. Well, no, I was going to say, you know, philanthropy has been something she's done. Now, of course, she stepped on herself one time and said that uh, philanthropy was the future of marketing. And, you know, a lot of people jumped on that. Well, just because I'm sure she runs a business. Marketing is very important to her. But there are she didn't have to choose philanthropy to do it. You know what I mean? She could have gone another way and, and handled marketing for the companies just as easily. She just happened to get a little bit soft in the mouth one time when talking about it. I think it's unfair to jump on her for that. Yeah. Uh, as far as her influence in wrestling goes, yeah, fucking look around, you guys. Uh, she has shaped what wrestling has been for at least 10 or 15 years. Her and her husband have absolutely shaped what you're seeing now. Yeah. Now, of course, this does raise the, the, the problem that I don't like it. Uh, but you know, like Ric Flair said, you know, you don't have to like it. You just have to sit there and respect it. Yeah. Uh, they, they have, they have grabbed the reins of this company and run with it. She has grabbed the reins of this company and run with it. Um, you know, and, and I do like uh, Tex's note here. Tex actually sent us a bunch of notes for this week's episode. And one of the ones he says, you know, she plays an evil keel on TV and then an ambassador for humankind in real life. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. a, a nice uh, uh, dichotomy showing right there. Uh, it's probably also a reason why wrestling doesn't hold up as well because, Bobby, in your day, if you were working as a face and you went out drinking beer with a heel at a bar next to the arena you were working in, what happened? You got fired. Yeah. <laughs> you got fired, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's just the way it was. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the, you know, her doing that breaks kayfabe. But, you know, we're talking about her influence and not, not the particulars yeah. that we don't like. And her influence is, I don't know that we'll, I don't know in our lifetime, Bobby, by the time you and I die, her influence will still be on wrestling. That's, yeah. I'm going to go that far with it. You know? Yeah, that, that, that's what I was kind of saying. I think it's going to be for many years to come. So, yeah. fuck, uh, I'm older than you, so fuck, uh, give it, get a few more years than that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I do agree with you. I think, yeah, in our, yeah, what you said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I second that emotion or, or that, uh, or second that motion. I'm not, I'm not a fucking, what are the four tops or four seasons or whatever or, or any uh, of those four guys. Uh, who was uh, shit Smokey Robinson or something? I second him. I'm the whatever. Fuck. I'm uh, I'm, I'm thinking uh, anyway. Yeah, number I got three, you. But man, we we had talked about she could have filled number three, two, or one, and we put her at number two or number three at this time. Our respect for our number two and number one 
persons. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what I was trying to spit out there. Um, I sure as hell can't sing it. So, uh, anything else about Stephanie you'd like to get out there? Um, not, not at this time because you know what, okay. there's going to be plenty of time for us to talk about her in the future. Okay. Then with that said, I'll take us to number two because I'm going to speak a little bit about that. And then I know you're going to speak about number one. Is that correct? Yep. That is correct, okay. sir. Number two, we're talking, uh, Christine, Teeny, uh, Jarrett. So there's a book about her called Teeny. It was written by her grandson, uh, Brennan Martin. I met him last year at WrestleCade. Seemed like a really nice young man. Uh, so there's a book about her out there if you want to go out there and fact check. Uh, some of the stuff I'm just going to talk about, you know, if you listen to the Cornette podcast, obviously, uh, you hear a whole lot, you know, of teeny stories and, and, or Miss Christine stories. I'm just going to, you know, let you know that the, some of the things I know, you know, obviously she's a, uh, uh, she was the, uh, her son was Jeff Jarrett, her grand, or shit, Jerry Jarrett, her grandson, Jeff Jarrett, you know, wrestled. She started, uh, selling tickets in the forties and fifties, uh, when, uh, Nick Goulas was promoting shows, uh, I guess it was Goulas and Welch owned, uh, the Tennessee territory. And, uh, Christine used to sell tickets at a weekly wrestling show. From my understanding, um, from what I read, uh, she got a divorce in about 1945 and she started working at a five and uh, dime like in Nashville. And, uh, someone come by, uh, I guess it was Nick Goulas or whoever. Uh, and, and you can fact check some of this stuff, but the Goulas Welch family, uh, she started selling tickets, and before long, she took a full-time job selling tickets out of a shoe store, if I'm not mistaken, a German, J- German, J-A-R-M-A-N-S shoe store, and uh, she sold tickets, and then for like the next 40 years, you know, she stayed in the wrestling business, and uh, she came from a very poor upbringing, and uh, she broke out of that mold, she took care of her family, uh, she took care of an invalid sister. Um, she done a whole lot of different things. And also, from my understanding, you know, I never worked at the, uh, and we can get into that another time. I never worked the uh, Memphis Territory, but, you know, where she was in Nashville there, uh, she was just involved in the wrestling business, uh, from various roles, from ticket seller to gimmick seller to uh, driving a young Jim Cornette, his mom from town to town while he was taking photographs back in the day. Um, and I guess she also had some, uh, lesson that she passed on to some of the boys about, you know, uh, stuff about, you know, saving your money, flirting with the rats and, and I don't know all those, you know, different little things. Cause again, I wasn't around her or anything. That's just some of the hearsay and, and some of the stuff I've read, you know, but, um, anyway, I think that, uh, you know, her coming in at number two, uh, is probably eventually going to be, you know, uh, passed by Stephanie, but uh, but as as of right now, you know, for our list right now, number two is uh, Christine Teeny Jarrett. Is that yeah. correct? <clears throat> oh, absolutely. And, and keeping in mind, like you said when you and I were talking about it, no Christine Jarrett, no Jerry Jarrett, no Jerry Lawler, no Amy right. Kaufman. Right. Uh, fuck. I mean, I guess you could even push it far enough out. You could say the Poffo family would have never have uh, started the ICW. Yep. Uh, so without her, there is a the entire face of wrestling changes without Christine Jarrett. Yeah. So I have a little quote here 
from Double J, Jeff Jarrett, and said her legacy will always be that she treated this wrestling business like a business. That's always been hard for many, many guys to do. She wanted the guys to have something when their wrestling days were over. And he put, I learned the simple, basic facts from her that I carry on today that I'll carry on my grave, second and sound and true. They're pretty simplistic. If you follow a few simple rules in business, it's really hard to go wrong. So her, there's her grandson, Jeff, uh, promoting her. That was on a, uh, a Slam uh, magazine article. And then, like I said, her other son, uh, grandson, I'm sure she had more than those two, but uh, she has a book. There's a book called Teeny. It's available on Amazon uh, by uh, Brennan Martin. That's one of her other grandchildren. Uh, I think the cover has her and Andre the Giant on it, or at least it did. It may have changed the cover, and the, the, the Andre picture and her may be in the middle of the book now. I'm not sure how they've done that because I've seen two different covers. But anyway, there's a lot of information out there uh, because there's several interviews with uh, Jeff, or excuse me, uh, Jeff Jarrett, of course, but also recently popping up has been a lot of uh, Jerry Jarrett interviews on YouTube, and I'm sure uh, you can hear his, some of his stories as well. And if you listen to it, again, I'm going to go ahead and give him a plug, of course, is uh, Jim Cornette Experience or the drive through uh, He talks a lot about uh, Christine Jarrett. So uh, that's number two on our list. Yeah, and real quick, before we move on to number one, I just set it up. If you go to tinyurl.com slash bbteeny, it will take you right to the digital download on Amazon for that book where you can buy it right on Amazon. There you go. So that's bb. Damn, you're good. Yep, bbteeny. <laughs> All right, Bobby, so why don't you count us down from 10 to 2, and then we'll cover number 1. Okay, here we go. Sue the Shooter. Sue Shooter. Oh, no, never mind. Hey, Sue, get the fuck out of room 413, Sue. All right, so <laughs> all right, we, we have some honorable mentions, but uh, number 10 comes in at Missy Hyatt. Number 9, Medusa. Number 8, China. Number 7, Sherry Martell. Number 6, Mae Young. Number 5, the Fabulous Moolah. Number four, Mildred Burke. Number three was Stephanie McMahon. And number two was Christine Teeny Jarrett. And number one is, did it up drum roll for you, Jeremy? Take a Linda McMahon. There you go. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are out there going, fuck, Jeremy sure is agreeing with putting a lot of McMahons on this list when he shit on the WWE for 20, <laughs> 24 previous episodes of the show. Um, yeah, well, you know what, guys? The simple fact of the matter is the McMahons have shaped wrestling, and Linda McMahon is one of the two McMahons that started shaping wrestling for the modern era. Um, you know, her and her husband, uh, I mean, her husband bought the business from his father, but she really started to shape the future and dynamic that would go into wrestling. Uh, they decided to move their headquarters to Connecticut, where it was four people crammed into a tiny office, but they wanted a high-profile address to make it look like a legit business. I'm going to say something that's going to sound anti-intuitive here, but the WWE was a was the same size wrestling company as everybody else when Vince McMahon took it over from his father. It was, I'm not going to say it was a small business because they made a lot of good money, but every promoter made good money back then. Yeah. And they grew it into a global franchise that makes movies, TV shows, albums, I mean, you name it. Linda McMahon was there. And when it looked like Vince might be getting ready to go to the pokey, who did he put in charge? 
He put his wife in charge. <laughs> There you go. And that that same Linda McMahon is now the administrator of the Small Business Administration for the American government. Yep, uh, sure is. There, I just don't see how anybody else could be called more influential in pro wrestling than she was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you make the argument. You know, and if someone says something about you know Vince uh, McMahon or VKM or whatever. And you want to talk about what a great man he is. Always remember that quote. Behind every great man, there's a great woman. And in this case, it's Linda McMahon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, administrator of the Small Business uh, Administration since, since last year, I guess. Yep. But, um, man, just a um, lot of influence. A lot of influence behind the scenes on decisions. Uh, just, I think she... She kind of wanted to stay in the back, uh, and, and I think Vince's ego, of course, and not not knocking him, he's the one that wants to be on camera, you know. So it's one of those things that is probably um, the way it's worked out. It's obviously working for both of them, you know. I mean, it's worked all these years. I don't know how long the fuck they've been married forever and a day, I'm sure. But uh, think about it, man. Uh, everything that's went on with WWE or in the past X amount of years. Um, She's been behind it, you know. She's been behind it. So, number one, Linda McMahon. Yeah, I there, I just don't, there's no way to get around it. Bobby, if I'm not mistaken, and if I'm looking at this right, it looks like her and Vince McMahon were married in 1966, which means they have been married as long as you've been alive, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's a damn long That's time. A long yeah, time. you know what? I just glanced over and I saw that. I, I see little M, 1966. You're correct. Man, you know, nowadays, hell, for people to say, hell, I'd like to date a woman for like 66 fucking minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, fucking 60 minutes is probably just telling you to get your ass out of the car because I'll be done in less than five or six. But anyway, nonetheless, that's a long time uh, to to be married to the same spouse. And, and, you know, that's the thing. They're a very successful family. They Their children are successful. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things that, uh, like I said, it takes a strong woman behind, you know, every successful man. And, and obviously, uh, you know, whether you like her or whether you don't love, uh, like her, it's one of those things, what'd you say, Rick Flair? So you better learn to respect it or, or learn to love it or whatever, man, cause it's here to stay. And, uh, uh, that power train and that power team and that power couple, whatever you want to call them in that company, it's here to stay folks. And, um, you know, I couldn't think of, we said Stephanie will probably be number one eventually. Um, just based on what we've talked about. But I think our top three were a solid, solid top three, and I think we can argue that at this point right now, Linda McMahon is number one of the most influential women in professional wrestling. Yeah. Uh, it would take, I mean, you could do a whole a whole episode just on her impact on wrestling. I'm not going to even try to scratch it because I will simply, I'll leave out things that are more important than the things I mentioned. Uh, I believe Tex in his notes to us just said I can write a <laughs> I could write a doctorate's uh, thesis yes. on this alone. Yes, yes, that's yeah, what I he mean, said. I believe I believe the the decision to go PG was hers. Um, you know, she's played characters on on screen as well as her behind the scenes roles, charitable work. She's been on the board of edu- of education in Connecticut. Just uh, look, you know. She gets overlooked because she's in the background, but you know as well as I do that, you know, all the pushing when you're pushing a sold car comes from the back. You know what I mean? That's all that, all that pushing comes from somewhere and it's usually somewhere you don't see. And, uh, for that, Linda McMahon, we salute you. You've 
definitely left your thumbprint on pro wrestling. For, I agree. For I better agree. or worse, you have definitely changed it. You have molded it like a bunch of clay is what you've done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, from the Riviera Hotel Casino from Las Vegas, Nevada, I am Bobby Blaze. And it's been my pleasure to speak with my friend, co-host, producer, and editor of the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast, Jeremy Vilmer. Jeremy, take us out of here, brother. Thank you, you so much. You got it. Everybody, thank you for listening. We will be back in one week. Uh, in the meantime, if you have any ideas for top ten lists or show, uh, show themes or anything you'd like us to talk about, shoot us a note on Twitter. I'm at the Geekish Cast. Bobby over there is at at Bobby Blaze seven forty four, right, Bobby? Yes, sir. And you can get us both at Bell to Bell Blaze. We are on Facebook. You just search for us. We have a group and a page. That being said, Bobby, thank you for coming. Listeners, thank you for listening. Bye, bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. You can keep up with the show by following the show account on Twitter at Bell to Bell Blaze. Follow Bobby at Bobby Blaze 744 and Jeremy at the Geekish Cast on Twitter as well. You can purchase Bobby's first book, Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boots, Will Travel, at tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. And Bobby's second book, I Kicked Out on Two, The Education of a Wrestler, at tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. You can donate to the show's GoFundMe to help with podcast expenses at GoFundMe.com slash bell-to-bell podcast hosting fees. Make sure to include hyphens between every word in bell-to-bell podcast hosting fees. If you download the show on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate the show five stars and leave a positive review. Join the conversation on the show Facebook group to stay up to date with bell-to-bell fans just like you. Thanks again for listening, everyone. 